Putin does not call the Ukrainian invasion a war. He calls it a Spetsalnaya Voyenaya Operacia, a special military operation aimed at freeing the Russian speakers of Ukraine from Nazi oppression. Zelensky, the Ukrainian Jewish president, who lost many relatives during the Holocaust, has said this is absurd. Putin does not believe the Ukrainians are a separate people. He believes they are Russian. Putin has said, quote, Ukraine actually never had stable traditions of real statehood, end quote. The Russian understanding of statehood is a bit different from ours in the West. The Russian Federation is a massive country, the largest on earth, consisting of 22 different federal subjects based on ethnic groupings. It would be like in the USA if we had 50 states, each of which had a different ethnic group running it. Mexican, Chinese, Ghanaian, with the lingua franca being English. Putin said famously, quote, The collapse of the Soviet Union was a major geopolitical disaster in which tens of millions of our co-citizens and compatriots found themselves outside of Russian territory, end quote. He genuinely believes Ukrainians to be Russian. The foundation of the East Slavic states, Ukraine, Russia, and Belarus, all come from Kiev, the capital city of Ukraine. Originally called Kievan Rus, this state was a loose federation of East Slavic peoples. Starting in the late 9th century, those who found themselves in the massive region known as Kievan Rus spoke a similar language that could be mutually understood, called East Slavic. Once the kingdoms of Kievan Rus fell to the Mongol invasions of the mid-13th century, the state was split in two, and the languages diverged, creating the East Slavic branch, Russian, and the West Slavic branch, which includes Ukrainian. Russian maintained the old Church Slavonic vocabulary until Peter the Great introduced a large number of Western words, while Ukrainian adopted many words from Polish. Today, Russian and Ukrainian are not mutually intelligible. However, Belarusian, Polish, and Ukrainian are. These shared ethnic ties are one of the reasons Poland has been so helpful towards their brother country, Ukraine. It's not just Putin. Many Russians also view Ukraine as a Russian culture. Kremlin advisor Sergei Makarov has said, quote, Everybody knows that Ukrainians are Russians, except for the Galicians. End quote. Galicians are people living in western Ukraine. The people of Western Ukraine historically were a part of the many empires of Europe, not Russia, including the Austro-Hungarian Empire in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. During this time, a wave of nationalism arose in Europe. Many peoples on the European continent vied for self-determination and their own states. Austria-Hungary was a massive multi-ethnic empire that was particularly affected by this. Eventually, it would be carved up and many independent states arose, including a short-lived Ukraine. Those in the east of Ukraine remained under the Tsar's Russian Empire. Their identity was far more Russified. Volodymyr Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, grew up in Krevivri, in the center of Ukraine. He doesn't speak Ukrainian fluently. He often switches to his mother tongue, Russian. Culture is, to put it simply, groups of people who share three things, religion, history, and language. The religion of Ukraine is largely Eastern Orthodox, the same as Russia. The history of Ukraine has some commonalities with Russia, but as is to be expected, are not exactly the same. In Russia, eventually they were able to free themselves of Mongol rule, leading to the deeply authoritarian ruling style that persists in this country to this day. Ukraine, however, was not able to free itself from imperialistic rule until the late 20th century. As mentioned before, it was dominated by many different empires throughout history. Some of these include the Grand Duchy of Lithuania, 
Crown of the Kingdom of Poland, Crimean Khanate, Ottoman Empire, Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, and the Russian Empire. Ukrainians made up the second largest ethnic group of the Russian Empire. The Russians sought to Russify the Ukrainians, absorbing their culture and making them Russian. Starting in 1804, Ukrainian was banned from being taught in schools, leading to a degradation of the Ukrainian language. It hadn't started there, and it wouldn't end there. Persecution of the Ukrainian language was common throughout Russian history. This policy of Russification attempted to turn the many ethnic groups of the Russian Empire into Russians. This isn't unique to Russians. For example, take Canada. In Canada, the Indian residential school system was a network of boarding schools for indigenous peoples. Attendance was mandatory from 1894 to 1947. The network was funded by the Canadian government, Department of Indian Affairs, and administered by Christian churches. The goal of these schools was to Canadianify the indigenous peoples of North America. Gogol Bordello, the popular Ukrainian gypsy punk band, takes their name from an ethnic Ukrainian writer named Nikolai Gogol. They chose the name Gogol Bordello because the goal of the band is to smuggle Romani East European music into the English-speaking world. Nikolai Gogol was one of the most famous classical Russian writers during the Russian Empire. He shows the strange relationship between Russians and Ukrainians. Gogol used subjects in his writing, such as his Ukrainian upbringing, Ukrainian culture, and folklore. His goal was to smuggle Ukrainian culture into the Russian Empire. His culture and language were suppressed, but he was able to sneak in his Ukrainian identity through his Russian writing. Today, roughly 30% of Ukrainians speak Russian as their mother tongue. Ukraine is divided into three languages, the West, which speaks Ukrainian, the East, which speaks Russian, and the Middle, which speaks a pidgin language called Serzhuk. With the outbreak of World War I in 1914, the Russian Empire haughtily joined. After three years of getting battered by the Central Powers, the Russian Revolution began. By 1922, the Soviet Union was victorious. The Russian Tsarist Empire, which had dominated for centuries, was gone. The USSR announced the creation of the Ukrainian Soviet Socialist Republic, one of its constituent republics. The USSR attempted to rapidly industrialize and improved massive collectivization campaigns, targeting wealthy landowners known as the Kulaks. These programs were disastrous for the people of the USSR. Ukraine was the breadbasket of the USSR, with its vast stretches of plains. The rapid industrialization of the country led to a series of famines. One of these has notoriously become known as the Holodomor, or the Terror Famine. Ukrainians consider this a genocide targeted at them from the Russian-led Soviet state. The Ukrainian people were forced to meet massive quotas of grain exports. However, due to the ineffective collectivization campaigns, the skilled farm workers were either exiled or killed, leading inexperienced people to take over. The Soviets believed combining farms into collectives would produce a surplus output of food and increase the quota. When the farmers were unable to meet the quota, the food was taken from them and the people were left with nothing. Those who tried to hide food or go looking for food elsewhere were punished or shot. An estimated 7 million Ukrainians, or an eighth of the population, starved during 1932 to 1933. Scholars debate whether it was a famine resulted by bad Soviet economic policies or if the Soviets planned it as a way to kill off the Ukrainians. 
Roughly half a century later, the Soviet Union collapsed. 15 separate countries, including Ukraine, declared their independence. Basically, the way these new countries worked was, whatever Soviet supplies were left in the country, factories, material, military equipment, became the new countries. Ukraine, being located on the border with Europe, was left with a massive supply of nuclear missiles. In the early 90s, Ukraine was the world's third largest holder of nuclear weapons. Right before the fall of the Soviet Union, the USA and USSR had concluded a series of SALT nuclear disarmament treaties, reducing the number of nukes both countries had. The USA intended on enforcing these disarmament rules, and so agreed to the Budapest Memorandum, whereby Ukraine's territorial independence was guaranteed in exchange for giving up its nukes. The newly formed Russian Federation, the USA, and the United Kingdom signed and agreed to the agreement, stating that if Ukraine gave up its nukes, no country would invade Ukrainian territory. Vladimir Putin came to power in Russia in the year 2000. He has a massive complex about the vast territory that was lost from the USSR. Putin made a name for himself by taking aggressive stances against the enemies of Russia. He invaded Chechnya in the early 2000s, his 2008 invasion of Georgia, and of course his 2014 annexation of Crimea all made him massively popular at home and feared abroad. The year before the annexation of Crimea, the president of Ukraine was Viktor Yanukovych, a Ukrainian puppet to Moscow. In 2013, the Ukrainian government reached an association agreement with the European Union. This agreement was a prerequisite to join the European Union, basically giving Ukraine money and help in exchange for Ukraine adopting European laws and consumer standards. But when it came time to sign the deal, Yanukovych refused, preferring to strengthen ties with Russia. Hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians took to the streets, demanding the agreement be signed. Yanukovych cracked down and killed hundreds of people, which only added fuel to the fire. Eventually, the Maidan revolution was sparked. Yanukovych was ousted and forced to flee the country to Russia. Putin responded by annexing Crimea and supporting Russian-backed separatists in Ukraine, located in the Donetsk and Luhansk regions, also known as the Donbass. Crimea is portrayed in the West as an act of unjustifiable aggression by Putin. This, however, is not the case. In 2014, when Russia annexed Crimea, 68% of the Crimeans identified as Russian, only 16% of Ukrainians and another 12% as Tatars, an ethnic group of Turks scattered all across modern-day Russia, Ukraine, and Turkey. Crimea is majority Russian, but was transferred to Ukraine in 1954 for bureaucratic reasons. Since 1991, Crimea tried to have more independence from Ukraine. For example, in 1992, Crimean legislation declared conditional independence from Ukraine, but Kiev never allowed a referendum to be held. In 2014, a majority of the Crimean population voted on a referendum that they wanted to be a part of Russia. Even many intellectual Ukrainians agree that Crimea should be a part of Russia. In the year 2010, Ukrainian writer Andrukovich said in an interview that if pro-Western parties win, they should give Crimea and Donbass possibility to secede because, quote, politically, they are a different nation, part of a Russian nation. Ukraine is something alien and not interesting for them, end quote. In the year 2011, another Ukrainian writer, Shkliar, said in an interview, quote, Yes, let's all agree, Crimea has never historically been a Ukrainian territory. 
and if the nation is sick and cannot digest, assimilate this territory, then it's better to get rid of it. It's all the same when a person has gangrene on a leg. And for the whole body not to be consumed by it, cut the leg off. End quote. When the annexation began in 2014, 14,000 Crimean military and 12,000 Crimean police switched sides and joined with Russia. The Donbass, contrary to Crimea, is majority Ukrainian. After the annexation of Crimea by Russia in 2014, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the US, and the UK stated that Russian involvement was a breach of the Budapest Memorandum, which had been transmitted to the United Nations under the signature of Sergei Lavrov and others, and was in violation of Ukrainian sovereignty and territorial integrity. On the 4th of March, 2014, the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, replied to a question on the violation of the Budapest Memorandum, describing the current Ukrainian situation as a revolution. Quote, a new state arises, but this state and in respect to this state, we have not signed any obligatory documents. End quote. Russia stated that it had never been under obligation to, quote, force any part of Ukraine's civilian population to stay in Ukraine against its will. End quote. Russia tried to suggest that the U.S. was in violation of the Budapest Memorandum and described the Maidan Revolution, also known as the Euromaidan, as a U.S. instigated coup. Since 2014, Ukraine has been in a state of war with the Russian separatists in the Donbass. Putin refuses to let Ukraine go to the West. His pressure and Western fear of Putin's aggression and large nuclear arsenal have also prevented that. Putin's obsession with Ukraine isn't only cultural. Ukraine is a vital interest to protect Russia from a possible invasion by the West. Russia knows all too well the horrors of a Western invasion of their country. Hitler's invasion of the Soviet Union killed approximately 27 million people, including 19 million civilians, 15% of the total population. In Russia, World War II isn't known as the Second World War, but the Great Patriotic War. Seven out of eight soldiers killed in the Second World War's European theater were on the Eastern Front. Ukraine is of prime importance in protecting Moscow. The west of Ukraine is mostly mountainous and hilly. The east begins a large flatland leading all the way to the Caucasus Mountains past Moscow. It is extremely vulnerable to attack. When Hitler launched Operation Barbarossa against the Soviet Union in 1941, his troops progressed 50 miles on the first day and continued at this pace until the winter slowed the Germans to a halt. Barbarossa is still the largest invasion force in history. Putin also fears NATO, the anti-Soviet, anti-Russian alliance. Since the dissolution of the USSR, it has been expanding to the border of Russia, even absorbing states that used to be a part of the USSR. For example, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. Before its collapse, the Russians had an alliance contrary to NATO, called the Warsaw Pact. These countries are now, for the most part, a part of NATO. In 1991, the border of NATO was at West Germany. Today, it is literally on the border with Russia with only Belarus and Ukraine preventing it from encompassing that border. Starting in November 2021, Putin began sending massive amounts of troops and supplies to the Ukrainian border. Biden. We have not yet verified the Russian military units are returning to their home bases. Indeed, our analysts indicate that they remain very much in a threatening position. 
And the fact remains, right now, Russia has more than 150,000 troops encircling Ukraine and Belarus and along Ukraine's border. An invasion remains distinctly possible. If Russia does invade in the days and weeks ahead, the human cost for Ukraine will be immense. And the strategic cost for Russia will also be immense. Putin finally sent NATO an ultimatum that they move back to their post-Soviet collapse lines, basically Germany. NATO ignored it. Putin launched a full-scale invasion in the early hours of February 24th, calling it a special military operation. Leaders from around the world came out to condemn it. We condemn this barbaric attack and the cynical arguments to justify it. This hideous and barbaric venture of Vladimir Putin must end in failure. Putin chose this war, and now he and his country will bear the consequences. Ukraine's name, translated into English, means borderland, which is rather appropriate. Ukraine has always found itself sandwiched between the great empires. As the war enters its second month, and media outlets have been reporting that the Russian lines have stalled, and the West will go no farther than supplying Ukraine with military weapons and aid, nobody can be sure what the future of Ukraine or Russia holds. I wanted to thank my new Patreon supporter, Johanna. Thanks so much, Johanna, for supporting me. And also a special thanks to Grimbot, Aaron Hansen, and R. Winter. Thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate the support.